Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. I'm just so excited. Like I told you last week, this message has been brewing in my heart, uh, even back into Africa, and uh, preparing for this time of, you know, what I was walking out at that moment, just continually watching God do just amazing feet after amazing feet, something that couldn't be done in any other way or through anyone else, uh, things that were happening that were so far beyond my control that uh, it was almost scary, actually, knowing that Everything that God was having me to do was if I was saying to myself, Lord, am I even worthy to be in the place that you've put me doing the things that you've called me to do? Now, we're going to talk about his favor demonstrated next week, so I don't want to get into that too much, but our message series is called Living the God Life. And if you're going to effectively live the God life, you have to know the God who's leading you. You have to know who you are in him. And that's what I spent last week at the beginning of my message uh, re-emphasizing to us who you are in Christ. And the bottom line about that is, is you are a child of God. And somebody look at your neighbor and say, my father can't help himself. Say it now. My father can't help himself. He loves to bless his children. And you're going to see that today as I uh, read my last scripture. But I just want to just say this, that when we looked at Genesis 12 last week, verses 1 through 3, in verse 2, God is telling Abram what he's going to do and who's going to do it. You have to understand this. There is somebody who brings favor into our life, and it's only one person that can bring a supernatural uh, favor in your life that will help you to work through all your tough times, your your, uh, unbelievable moments, the moments you don't think you can go another step. That God who brings favor into your life is even with you in the midst of your most twisted moments that you don't think you can take another step. That's when our God is at his very best. When we're at our lowest point in life, our God always shows up. He's amazing in what he does. And what he does in and through you in those moments transforms you into the person that he needs you to be. God needs you. History needs you. There's people in your future that you're going to minister to that you've got to get it right right now and understand who you are in Christ so that when your time comes for your destiny to be fulfilled, you will be ready to step forward. But if you don't know who you are, these moments chop you up like a garbage disposal. And that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are God's child. And when God says in Genesis 2, he says, I will make uh, you a great nation. He says, I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will bless all the families of the earth. Who's going to do the favor? Who's going to bring the blessing? God. He, you need to know that because when you depend on man to be your source of favor, ultimately somewhere in the end, you're going to get disappointed because we are all limited. Even at our very best, we're limited. You know, as a pastor, you find out your limitations so much. When you know how, when so many people are putting all their trust in you, all their faith in you, and you know at some point you're not going to be able to be that person that they think you are. Not because you're a bad person, just because you have limitations. There's some days I wake up and I don't think I can do this again for another day. Yesterday was too overwhelming and today seems like it has too many challenges But the reality is, is when I look in the mirror and I look at who I am and remember whose I am, 
It gives me the strength to get in that shower, get it together, put on my worship music, praise the Lord, and go do it again for another day. Because He is the one who brings the favor in my life. Man is not the one who brings us favor. Genesis 24, Judy, you don't have this. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It just came to me during worship. Abraham had a reputation. And in this reputation, people knew who he was. His servant got sent out on a mission. He was to find a wife for Isaac. And it was interesting because he felt inferior. And he was like, what if I can't find this, this wife for, for my incredible uh, uh, a master that I serve? And so he goes to the well and he's saying, Lord, whoever brings water for me and my camels, that must be the one. Nothing's happening. Nobody's coming. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes the one who is going to fulfill the mission that he sent. And so he tells her these different things. She runs home and tells her brother. Her brother comes out to see who the man at the well is. And this is what the man says to Laban, her brother. He says in verse 34, I am Abraham's servant, he explained, and the Lord has greatly blessed my master. Now, here's a guy working for somebody who sees what God is doing. One of the greatest things about when God puts favor on your life is when somebody else sees that favor that God has done for you. And somebody is walking in the shadow of the favor that you have. And he says, uh, the Lord has greatly blessed him. He's become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold and many male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And when Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son. And my master has given him everything that he owns. My master made me take an oath and he said, do not allow my son to marry anyone that he shouldn't marry. And in verse 39, it says, but I said to my master, what if I can't find a woman who is willing to go back with me? This is a powerful assignment that Abram gave him. And, you know, so often in life, this is where we get well, God says something to us. He wants us to do something spectacular. And we get into that place to say, what if I fail? What if I can't do what God has called me to do? And I want to tell you today that when God calls you to do something, that all he needs for you to say is yes, and it's going to be done. It doesn't matter who's blocking, who's stopping, what's in front of you, what doesn't look like you can do, what you feel like you're inferior for. Your God is not inferior in any way, shape, or form. Amen. Not one bit is he inferior. He's an amazing God. He's an incredible king. He is your father. He has adopted us, as it says in Ephesians 1. We're going to read that again in a minute because I got to have you get this. You have to understand who you are in Christ. And he responded, the Lord in whose presence I have lived. Mm. In other words, he says, I got a relationship with the Lord. I have lived in his presence. I know who he is. I know what he can do. I haven't sent you on a message to fail. Mm. You know, I was thinking about all of the people who have sown money into these projects that we're doing. You have not sown your blessing into something that is going to fail. And because of that, because of what you have done and what God has done, he's going to bless you in a thousand different ways. I'm telling you, he is. Why? Because my God can't help himself. He loves to bless his children. It says, uh, then the Lord whose presence I've lived in, he will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. Yes, you will find a wife for my son among my relatives and from my father's family. So this, this guy who has been walking with this master, who has been told by God, I will, I will, I will, I will. 
And then I, I will bless those who bless you. That God is the God who sent this servant on a mission and there was no way that he can fail. And Abram even said to him, you don't have to worry about it. God is dispatching even his angels. The, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that God's angels are ministering spirits unto us. Same type of situation. Galatians 3, 14, uh, 13 and 14. Go back to that just real briefly. Galatians 3. 13 and 14, but Christ, everybody say that, but Christ, but Christ has rescued us from the curse and pronounced by the law. When he was hung on a cross, when he took himself, uh, when he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. Somebody stepped in and broke the curse for what you have done wrong. Nobody else could do that, but he did and he will. And because of that, through Christ Jesus... God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And then Ephesians 1 tells us, and I'm going to ask you again, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a defeated foe? Do you see all of your imperfections? Do you see all of your failures? Do you see all of the negative things that when you look in the mirror, all you see is the flesh that's looking back at you? If that's the case, you need to get a new set of glasses because that's not who you are. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. How many spiritual blessings are you blessed with? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms are yours. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided when? In advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to do this. And it gave him great pleasure. Now listen. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. The word grace, as we know there, its definition is unmerited favor. He poured out his grace to us when we said yes to Jesus Christ as our personal savior. And we came into a different place that when you look into that mirror, you are not the son of your earthly father, but you are the son or daughter of your heavenly father. And everything that he has poured out to you comes with grace, and that grace is an unmerited favor. So when you look in the mirror, you have to see yourself as a son or daughter of the Most High God. And the same blessing that came upon Abraham's servant in finding Isaac a wife will be the same favor that you have in your life. God is amazing and you must understand that. You must know that when you look into the mirror, you're not looking at flesh. You're looking at a son or daughter of the Most High God. Now... I want you to understand this. I want to give you a, a definition of, of, of another definition of favor, not a definition, of, just a, a, a phrase. God's favor is a gift. God's favor is a gift. Understand this. Man can't give it. Man can't regulate it. And certainly not man cannot stop it. We can't, man cannot stop God's favor. We can't earn it. God gives it to us because we are his children and he is our father. Simple as that. 
Simple as that. However, we must receive it and activate it in our lives. It's not enough to just hear it preached in a message on Sunday morning. We have to come to the place to where that becomes activated. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, Genesis chapter 39, and I want to point this out to you. I want to prove this to you. I want to show you some things that take place in Joseph's life that we've seen multiple times, but I want you to see it in this particular definition, that God's uh, favor is a gift. God's favor is a gift. Now, I'm going to pick this story up in Genesis 39, 1 through 4. Okay, we know that Joseph had a dream. It was a dream of great favor, that God was going to promote him to a, a, a place of high standing in front of important people. It was going to be a place that was even going to be above his family members. That honked his brothers off. And like brothers do, they gave him, they punched him, they hit him, they threw him into the bottom of a well, and then they felt sorry for him. It's like, oh man, that's our brother. We can't just chuck him into the well. But what we can do, since we're so jealous of him and we can't stand him anymore, we'll bloody up his coat of many colors and then we'll sell him off to, uh, uh, to be a slave. And, and, and that, that's how we'll eliminate him. Well, then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, it says when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an office, an Egyptian officer. Listen, he could have been purchased by a thousand different people. He could have been purchased by uh, the, the, the worst, lowest farmer who was looking for one slave to plow his entire acreage and, and do all the work for him. He could have been uh, 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 bought by a guy who had a business on the Red Sea and he had one oar in his boat and it could have been his job to row that boat stuck in the bottom of, of the belly of a ship for all of his life and just rowing this ship across where this guy took his goods and services. But that's not what the God of favor does in the life of those who know him. See, it was interesting that he, he came into the place of an Egyptian officer because God had a destiny for him. And this was the setup and the beginning of getting him where he needed to be. Potiphar was captain of the guard for who? Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who Joseph would ultimately serve. But it didn't go as if Joseph thought it would go. Now, verse 2 says this, key verse, the Lord was with Joseph. You have to understand that. Sam, the Lord is with you. I mean, he is with you. Jim, the Lord is with you. Gary, the Lord is with you. Uh, Millie, the Lord is with you. Tina, the Lord is with you. These same words that are spoken, these are the same uh, words that we can grab a hold of as well. And I don't care what you're going through right now, what you're in the midst of, you need to understand the Lord is with you. And this is just a temporary stopping place until you get to that ultimate destiny that God has in store for your life. This is just the beginning. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Wow, what was Joseph doing that was so amazing that was greater than what everybody else who served this guy did? This isn't his only servant, folks. But something was, there was an anointing upon Joseph that he looked different, he smelled different, he acted different, he ate different. Everything about Joseph was different. Because when you're a, a son or daughter of the Most High God, you're different. You should stand out. And Potiphar noticed this. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant, put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. But then came verse 5 through 19, okay? We're not even going to focus on that. Y'all know what happened. Uh, Potiphar's wife thought Joseph had favor too. She thought this was one good-looking mug. She thought this was a guy she would like to be with. She saw 
favor on him as well, but in, through a different set of eyes. So we know what happens next. So uh, then uh, Potiphar got mad about this experience. His wife lied. And in verse 20, this happened. So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. Not just anybody's prisoners, but the king's prisoners were held in this place. See, you got to keep adding this up. How can this be? How does he go from one destructive thing to another, but every destructive thing he goes to has the next blessing to where he's ultimately going to be? This is no accident. He took him there where, uh, where prisoners were held, and there he remained. Okay, now everybody say, but with me. But, I've said this to you a lot of times. This is a B-U-T butt, but you got a B-U-T-T butt, and you got to get that B-U-T-T butt out of God's way. So that his butts, his B-U-T's, can open up access to the things that God has in store for your life. But the Lord was with Joseph. He, did, did God just leave him behind? No. Why? Because Joseph did the right thing with Potiphar's wife. He rebuffed her advances even knowing that it was going to not turn out well. But he did the right thing. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Wow. And the Lord made Joseph a what? A favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. And over everything that happened in the prison, the warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. Now, what's, it, what's this next thing say? The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to what? To succeed. Okay, so, so you say then, well, big deal. He's in a prison, and every, it wouldn't be very tough to shine in the midst of all the thugs and mugs that are in the prison. Not the point. That's, that's the way man sees things. The reality is, is God's positioning him. And when you start looking in the mirror and knowing that same God is positioning you, no matter what your circumstances right right now, you'll start seeing life through a different set of lenses. See, when we talk about God's favor, it's not that you're going to roll out to Speedway and buy five scratch-offs today and scratch them off, and it's going to be bing, 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 my God. I got a $50,000 scrap, my God. I'm not opposed to that. If God wants to give you $50,000, I think he's got better ways to do it than that, personally. But the idea is this, is that no matter where Joseph was, verse 2, the Lord was with him. Verse 21, the Lord was with him. Verse 23, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, let's move ahead to uh, Genesis 40. I feel like I'm that guy in the 60-minute football game. Now, let's move ahead to the middle of the third quarter where the Buckeyes are on. Okay, and we'll take it from there. Verse 40, verse 10 says, or chapter 40, verse 10, there's a, a, a butler and a baker in the king's prison, guys who were close to the king, and they had a dream, and Joseph is using, utilizing his skills in the Lord to minister to these guys. In verse 10, he's just telling them, the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of grape. I was holding Pharaoh's cup, uh, wine cup in my hand, so I took the cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, said Joseph. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. And then verse 14, Joseph says this, because you know Joseph's just a man. He says, and please remember me. And what? Do me a what? Favor. He said, do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. Might let me out of this place. Verse Genesis 41.1 says, and two full years later, 
Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the river Nile. Now, those two years, you have to add 11 more years to because that's when he was sold into slavery for the first time. 13 years have passed by. Joseph asks these cats, do me a skinny, do me a favor. See, he's now at this point, he's been 13 years in this mess. He's looking for any way out, any way out. And so he talks to these guys. And can you imagine what went through his mind in those two years? What took these guys two years when they're in, in the presence of the king to tell the king about who I was? I'm sure he got discouraged. I'm sure he got frustrated. I'm sure those things set in, although we never read that about Joseph. But I'm just thinking at somewhere along the line, he had to be human in this process. 13 years, different imprisonments, different places. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And the Lord's favor was upon him. Then Pharaoh has a dream. I want you to know something. Who gave Pharaoh that dream? And who gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams? See, what you don't understand so, so sometimes is we're looking for somebody to set something up for us to be successful when we should be approaching God, the one who makes everything happen, the one who says, I will bless, I will give, I will move, I will make this happen. And we should be approaching his throne and not the throne of man for where our next direction in life is going. Man is limited in all of his ways. Now, this is a fact, although... Although God uses people to pass blessings our way, our blessings are not initiated in that way. Why? Because the Bible says in the book of James that all good and perfect gifts come down from God himself. Anything good that happens in you or through you is initiated from your father. Point blank. You have to understand that. See, that's how good he is. And so when we go to chapter 41 and we go down to verse 37, Joseph, it says this, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh. As a matter of fact, he interpreted the dream and, and he was setting them up for when the, when the famine was going to come that they were going to store up all of these things. They were going to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, you should read that and, and, and fashion your retirement planning on those things. Now, your family uh, in retirement is not going to come because you can't work or you don't. It's just going to come because your income is going to be at a certain level. But that doesn't matter when you're walking in God's favor and you prepare your life His way. Because God can take what you have planned to do and put his favor on it and make it more than you can ever dream or imagine. Whose hands is your life in? Are you depending on the person whose name is on your paycheck? If you are, you're making a big mistake. You have to put your faith in the one who positioned you to be where you are. You're drawing a paycheck, not so that you can live uh, uh, high off the hog. He's got you there because he has a purpose for you to be there. And when you start to see things through this prism, life becomes extremely different. In verse 37, it says this. Joseph, uh, 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 Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials... Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God, not, not man, not the butcher, not the baker, not the candlestick maker, since God revealed these things to you, the meaning of the dream, so clearly no one else has an intelligent or, or is as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court 
and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby move you to the fulfillment of the dream that God gave you some 15 years ago. Now it is coming to pass. I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. The entire land of Egypt. Who moved him into that place? Who skillfully made that happen? How would this kid ever have met the people that he needed to meet to get to where he ultimately was unless this kid went through some of the stuff that he had to go through to get to where he was going? He would have never met the people that were going to put him in the place had he not gone through some of the stuff that he went through. But understand this, he might have went through a lot of stuff. But God was with him every step of the way. What are you going through right now? Because if you don't know God is with you during this, you're going to miss why, why you're here and what he's setting you up for. And God is always so far out ahead of us. And you've heard me say this a hundred times. He's so far out ahead of us that we just have to trust him, grab a hold of the back of his pants and just let him lead us wherever he wants to take us. Some of y'all thought that was a sacrilegious comment that you could grab the back of God's pants. I don't care how you grab me. Around the legs, around the shoulders, around the neck. I don't care if you piggyback ride. I don't care what you do. Just get with him. And let him then take you to your next dimension. You know, I use this statement a lot in counseling when I know that people are trying to do life their own way. And I always say, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Well, pastor, I'm so broke, I can't tithe. Well, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Well, you know what? Uh, I did this and I did that, and my wife and I are trying to do this and that. Well, how's that working for you? Because until you embrace God in His way, your current tragedy is going to become more tragic. But when you embrace things and do it God's way, why do you think the enemy is in your face all the time and, and doing all this to you, distracting, la, 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 la. Because he knows if he can capture your attention, he can divert your destiny. How many U-turns do you have to take? How many diversions do you have to go on? Listen, we found out you can't even trust the, the GPS system. You can't trust ways. We're coming up on, on turns now and every other turn. When we know we turn right, it says turn left. What's the deal with that? You can't even trust ways. There was a day we whipped out maps and took our finger and pointed out to where we were going to go. You know, turn left at the sign with the dog on it and turn right at the, you know... Used to have that. Listen, God's favor is amazing, it's dramatic, and it's for all of us. His favor, as I said before, it's a gift. And we have to understand that favor is defined as receiving preferential treatment and special privileges. So many of you don't want to think that way because you think you don't deserve it. I got a newsflash. It's not about you. You're never going to be all that in a box of chocolates. But with God, you're going to be everything you need to be to get to the next part of your destiny. And you're missing the greatest part of your adventure because you're doing it all on your own. God is amazing. His favor is upon you. His favor is upon you. Stand with me if you would. Let's make a declaration together. Let's make a declaration. Judy, do you have that for us? We're going to make a declaration that... We did just like we did uh, the other day, but we're going to declare that we're going to do things God's way. And I want you all to read this with me. Say, Father, Father 
I declare in Jesus' name that I no longer trust in my own ability. But from this day forward, I activate the favor of God over my life. Just as Joseph was set apart and blessed everywhere that he went, I, too, walk in a supernatural flow everywhere I go. I thank you, God, for giving me favor with God and man. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. You may be seated. You're not getting out of here like you did last week. I know y'all were thinking, good Lord, it is a miracle. It's 1125 and he's wrapping us up. Oh, not today. Not today. Now, listen to me. It's important that you realize that, that in, in the midst of where God's favor is, that there's a few things that we need to embrace to know that we can get to that next place where God's calling us to go. Judy, put up Deuteronomy 7, 9 through 14. Deuteronomy 7, 9 through 14. We're going to look at ways that we can begin to believe and receive all of this favor that God has for our, our lives. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant. Oh, here we go. For how long? A thousand generations. Didn't we read? That in Galatians, that Jesus broke the curse and that all of this were seeds of Abraham and those same blessings are ours. I keep repeating that because I, I want you to get it. I want you to look in the mirror tomorrow morning and say, ho, ho, I am a seed of Abraham. And the favor of God is in my life. He'll, he has a covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all of these commands, decrees, and regulations that I give to you today. Listen, if you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of unfailing love with you as he promised. As an oath to your ancestors, he will love you and bless you. He will give you many children. He will give a fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land, he swore to give your ancestors. He will have large harvests of grain, new wine and olive oil, and great herds of cattle and sheep and goats. And you will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men and women will be childless, and all your livestock will bear young. You have to understand, when you become in that place where you make the determination that you're going to walk with God, that everything else that's around you becomes blessed as well. It's just what God does. The Bible tells us this in Psalm 1, 1 through 4. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not. Okay, you ready for the do nots? Follow the advice of the wicked. Who are you listening to? Who's captured your ear? What are they saying to you? Or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But those who, who walk in God, they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. Like They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Now listen, I've said to this, this to you before, and this idea of like trees planted on, along the, the riverbank, there are underground streams of water. How many of you realize if you have a well that you got to dig down inside the earth and you dig far enough, you're going to hit a stream of water. Am I, am I, am I correct? Yeah. This is what this is saying. That these trees are planted in a place to where you might not be able to see where they're feeding from, but their roots know and they go down and find that nourishment. And those are called pegiliums. Those are called streams underneath the earth. 
And that's what God is. He is a stream that you can't always see, but you can know when you dig your roots down into your relationship with God, you are going to find a stream of living water that's going to feed you like never before. We have those things. The things, that, the, the, the things that we see, they're temporary. The things we can't see, they are eternal. And you have to trust God that if I'm going to plant myself in the middle of his vineyard and allow my life to go deep inside of who he is, he is going to water me. And even in the dry seasons, even in the seasons of famine, and I'm telling you, you need to hear me out today. You need to hear me out today. Even in the dry seasons, don't look at what everyone is saying about where we are right now. I'm talking about as a nation. You dig in. You plant your tree. You don't trust in men. You trust in God. Because even in the midst of a seven-year famine, the people who trusted in God and prepared themselves for that famine, that drought, they not only survived, but they prospered in the midst of that drought. And if you can learn anything from Joseph, it's that only God can take you in the midst of a trying circumstance, even if it's a nationwide or worldwide pandemic, and he can continue to bring favor in your life even in the midst of it. Come on, somebody. When you look in the mirror, whose child are you? Now, I love Ruth and Harold Bennett, but when I look in the mirror, I see a son of God. When I look at what my earthly parents left me, a roll of paper towels and a handful of change, that's not what my heavenly father will ever leave me. See, John chapter 14 says, not only am I going to make it happen for you here, but I have gone to prepare a place for you. You can rest assured. I never leave you or forsake you. I'm planning for your eternity. This is the kind of God we serve. Mm, 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 mm. Sometimes we just got to look at the devil and say, no, uh, uh, not today. Not today. Not today. When I walked on that tarmac to take my first plane flight after my car accident in Burundi, the enemy was like, you know this plane's going to crash. You know you're going to freak out when you get up in that plane. You know how you used to be. And I took a step away from that plane I got away by myself. People are looking at me like, who is this freak? And I'm talking out loud. No, this is not going to happen. And I said something that I'm not going to say here to the devil. But I said it to him. And I said, not today, not tomorrow, not any day. God's already healed me of that. And you can't take me backwards because I'm going forward. And isn't it interesting, man, like nine of the 15 flights were on prop planes. You're just like, hallelujah. And three of my flights were right by the window of the prop. And the enemy's like, what if that prop came off that plane? That cut you in half. I'm like, well, that'd be a sight to see then, wouldn't it? See, our favor doesn't stop at the place of our insecurity. At the place of where we feel like we're at the edge. Am I going to go back to the ticketing gate and say, can I think I need to get it together enough to take the next flight? Uh-oh, God's calling me. Sorry, can't take that right now. Okay, so somebody from Africa's calling me. They must be watching. You hear that? Yes, you're watching. <sighs> Listen. When God's favor is in your life, he's going to move you forward. You're not going to go left. You're not going to go right. You're not going to have to walk backwards. But sometimes you're going to face a fierce headwind. And you just have to let your arms out, tilt your body, and just enjoy it. Because his favor is upon you. His favor is upon you. And Hebrews 11.6 says this. And it is impossible to please God without faith. The measure of your faith opens up the place of your favor. And I'm telling you, this isn't a faith message. This isn't a prosperity message. This is a personal message. This is about your emotional well-being. 
This is about the well-being of your marriage. This is about the well-being of your relationship with the people at work. This is about your relationships that, that God has put into your life. This is about your destiny. It is impossible without faith to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he does what? He rewards. Why do, every time I read something, it's something that God's going to do. He rewards those who diligently, what? Seek him. Four things you need to do to begin to walk in his favor. You need to believe that he is who he is. You need to believe he is who he is. In, John, in James 1, 5 and 8, it, listen to this. It says, if you need wisdom, what did Joseph have when he interpreted the dream that he had? He had God's wisdom, didn't he? If you need wisdom, see, Joseph knew who God was. Abram knew who God was. That's why when he sent his servant out to bring the wife back, he said, you're not going to fail. An angel was with you. Just go do the do. Trust me. You're representing me. If you need wisdom, ask our who? Generous God. Ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Ask God. Get personal with God. Get into that place to where every day you're embracing him. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in who? God alone. Okay, remember, God uses man to bring favor at times, but that, that man is not the initiator of that favor. It's God who initiates favor. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7 says this, Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You can't be a doubter and think that, that God's going to all, all jump into the middle of your doubt. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. You have to know that you've got to believe that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ever imagine. So you have to believe to get into that place to receive. Number two, you've got to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. There is nothing that transformed my life anymore than the first three years when I started digging into the Word. In the first three years that I got saved, and I read the Word like it was going to run from me. I read the Word like if I didn't read it all today, there wasn't going to be there tomorrow. And then I started challenging God in the midst of what I was reading, and I was finding out that he was faithful in everything that he wrote, and then I began to live my life according to the pages of the word, and then he began to move me in those different directions. We're going to talk about a week, not this next Sunday, the week after, how do you find your purpose in God, and you're going to be blown away at how God does it. He does it so naturally, so simply, but we're always rubbing our eyes and scrunching our ears and clenching our fists saying, God, what do you want me to do? And he's making the pathway clear for you the whole time. You're just not seeing it because you've got to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. The source of favor is God. When you increase your relationship with him, you increase your access to all that he has in store for you. Proverbs 8.35 says this, Whoever finds me finds life. Whoever finds me finds life. And what? And receives favor from the Lord. The third thing you need to do is you need to start sowing favor. You need to start getting in a place to where uh, God is doing something in you, so you're going to invest in someone else. Psalms 112 verse 5 says this, Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. In other words, that when we come to the place to where we're the lenders and not the borrowers, come on now. The Bible says in Proverbs, do not be subject to the lender. The lender is subject to the borrower. But when the lender is the one who is God's person sowing his money in to different things, different things begin to happen. It happens, I should say, a different way. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, 
Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always what? Harvest what you plant. You will always reap what you sow. One of the simplest principles in, 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 in the whole Bible is one of the most powerful. The fourth thing that you need to do is remain humble. Remain humble. You know, there's a lot of people that say to me, Pastor, well, you're like, you're a missionary. And I'm saying, I say to them, I am not a missionary. I am not worthy to hold the title of a missionary. I cannot do what a missionary does. You cannot put me in Burundi or Rwanda right now. You cannot do that right now. You cannot make me stay there for 365 days of the year. I can't do that. I wish I was that good, but I'm not. I'm a pastor who loves people and loves to train leader and loves to bring God's blessing everywhere around the earth. But we got to remain humble. We have to remain humble. Why? Because the Bible says in James 4, 6, God gives grace generously. And as the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but what does he do? He gives unmerited favor to the humble. In other words, everything I have, I don't deserve. And this isn't a false humility. This is reality. This is reality. Man does not release blessing to us. God has to initiate it. Some of you about a year ago, you watched me roll in with my CRV. And I know what y'all were thinking. Pastor, you've preached every day of your life never to buy a new car off the lot. You know, because it diminishes in value, blah, 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 blah. You told us that, and then you roll in the lot with a brand new car. What's up with that? Well, I'm going to redeem all of your thoughts of my hypocrisy right here before you. That would have never happened had God not did what he did. See, Tammy and I were looking for a new car because we lived east of Egypt now, about 9,000 miles to the east here. And to get to where we need to get, we had to have a car that got better gas mileage. So I was looking for, had my sights set on a CRV, and we were looking for about six months for a used CRV. So one day I'm looking for this car, and here's a car with super low miles, and it's fairly new, newer, it's really new, it was new, about a year old. And so I said, you know, if we don't go up to Honda Marysville right now and we don't try to get this done, we're going to lose this car because that's how it works. So we drove all the way from Lancaster up there. It's about 9,300 miles up there. And so we're in there. We're working it. We're doing the do. We're doing the deal. We looked at the car. It's everything we thought it was and more. It was the typical little old lady story. And so we said, listen, we are so close. The guy goes, why don't you do this? Uh, why don't you go have lunch and then come back? And we said, that sounds like a great idea. Der Dutchman is right down the road. So there's no meal place in the world that would help you make a good decision like this, except the place that has the Bismarcks that are this big. You have to cut them in like six sections, and then you try not to eat them all, but you do. That place, you know what I mean? So we thought that sounded like sound advice. We went and ate. We come back, and the, we sit down. We're ready to sign the papers, and the guy goes, hey, I got bad news for you. I go, what? What could possibly be bad news? He said, they sold your car out from under you. He said, somebody in used car sold. I said, no, they didn't. I said, we have a deal going. You can't sell a car out from underneath somebody. You told me to go to lunch. You're the one that did that. You can't do that. You, that's, that's not right. That's not, he goes, I'm, I know it's not right. It's, it's, I, I'm really sorry. I can't, and I'm like, oh, dude. So I told Tammy, I said, let's go. Just like that. I mean, I'm not like going, let's go. I said, let's go. But she knows when I'm, she knows I was going to, boom. <laughs> So I said, let's go. And he goes, man, I'm sorry. And I turned around and said, dude, that is not right what you guys did. I said, that is not right what you did. And he goes, I know. So I said, okay, get, walk out before you say something stupid. Walk out. Because I had a thousand one-liners up here that was not going to help the kingdom, God, that man, me, or anybody at that time. So we get back into our car. We drive out. We, we get to 270 and the phone rings. 
And the guy says, hey, listen, man, what happened here was not right. I am so sorry. He said, but what if I gave you a brand new car at that same price? Would you come back? And I said, we're turning around right now. <laughs> so I am not a hypocrite. I went looking for a used car, but I would have been a stupid hypocrite if I would have turned down a brand new car at the same price. Who, who does that? Who does that? Only God. He had everything orchestrated. I was Joseph <laughs> in the time. You cheated me, man. <laughs> and God's like, just don't say it. Don't say it. I'm working something better for you. Shut up, shut up, get out the door. See, that's God. He can turn what we deem as a terrible circumstance into something that's better than we can ever imagine. I want to just leave this with you. Deuteronomy 14 started to give the fullness of what God wants to do. But Deuteronomy 28 caps it off. So afford me just a moment to set these words in motion. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies. Listen to me. Everybody read that with me. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord will bless you in the land that he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by God and they will stand in all of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Blessings, uh, uh, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. He will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. You will listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. And if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow any other gods or worship them. Selah, will you stand with me? I know that some of you, when I say some of the things I'm saying, you think that you must be a foreigner in, a, in another land. You are not a foreigner. You are not somebody that everything that I've talked about the last two weeks aren't for you. They're expressly for you. They're purposely uh, set forth for you. And for you to get to the place that you need to be with God because he's got way more in store for you than you think right now. You have to continue to walk out your destiny, whether you're imprisoned like Joseph at this moment, whether you've had a prophetic word and it hasn't came to pass at this moment, you have to keep your eyes fixed on the one who is able to change your circumstance at the drop of a hat. Father, today, 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 let this be the day that we all open our eyes to that dimension of heavenly places, those things that you have stored up for us that you promised to give us, every spiritual blessing. 
We just pray, God, that today would be that day that we would drop the idea that that must be for my neighbor and not for me. Father, today that we would drop the idea that when we look in the mirror, we see flesh and not royalty. And so, Father, today, I pray a blessing upon this congregation. I pray a blessing upon all the people who are watching us on the Internet. I pray a blessing, Father, for the lives of those who have said yes to Jesus as their personal Savior. And I pray, God, that a spirit of full belief would flow in each person that is listening to this message and that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt who takes care of who we are. And so, Father, today, I pray that these two weeks have transitioned the way that we think I thank you, God, that next week you're going to show how that favor is demonstrated. And I thank you that the following week you're going to give us an insight on how to walk in the place of our destiny with you. So, Father, I thank and praise you that you are the God that does exceedingly more than we can ever imagine. Help us to capture the idea of who you truly are so that we can walk in the strength that you want to give us. And today, God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word and to be a blessing. Help everyone who hears this transition from this moment to the moment of destiny. And Father, we give you all praise in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.